0: Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Open in your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I really would like to turn over to 3 John 2 and Psalm 35, but with 746 on the back wall, we'll endeavor to be uh, very efficient. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your will. That's the same thing. Your word is your will, and your will is expressed in your word. And I just pray that revelation would flow tonight, that utterance would be given unto me that would be specific to this moment in time for us, that God, that the people's hearts and their minds are open and alert, and they're reaching out ready to lay hold, praise God, of that which you want to communicate to us. Lord, the vision must advance, and that's going to require funding and finance and you are more than able to lavish us and change the condition of our life financially overnight, I mean overnight, with you all things is possible, are possible. Uh, in less than just 24 hours, I, I'm thinking about those two lepers way back in the Old Testament and, and, you know, it was so desperate financially that they were eating one another's babies. I mean, it was just that intense. And the prophet said, 24 hours from now, it'll all be over, and there'll be abundance. And it surely came to pass. Father, there's nothing too difficult for you. But God, there's things on our side that we need to do, that we need to change, that we need to learn. And so let that come forth tonight. Help me to understand things I need to do and understand and change about myself. And God, that's just going to be true for all of us. So we thank you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we launched out last week. We've been talking about prosperity for a number of weeks, uh, but uh, I launched out sort of in an official series and focus last week, if you were here, talking about qualified for increase. Qualified for increase. And how many of you believe what I just prayed? Amen. Amen. That God is able. I mean, He could radically change your financial condition overnight. Overnight. Well, this is the way I think. What is preventing Him in my life from doing more radical, accelerated things? Amen? And, uh, well, that means there's, it's because there's things on my side. Amen? The more I sync up with Him, the more I get myself, it, the more I believe in line, think in line, talk in line with His Word, His way, His will, the more that's going to enable Him to bless me. And that's true for you. Amen. I'll quote Psalm uh, 35. Of course, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, them that favor my righteous cause. Right? And let them, bless you, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who takes pleasure in the struggle of his servant. No? Is that not right? Okay, well, let me me try again. God, who takes pleasure in the poverty of His people. Well, like I said last week, are we sure about that? Because that's how the lion's share of the church world believes it. They believe that uh, God takes pleasure in our poverty. There are certain groups in the Christian faith that take vows of poverty. Uh, Brother Brother Hagin said when he was pastoring in Pentecostal circles that they had a a slogan about their minister. Father, you keep him humble, and we'll keep him poor. (laughs) And they were doing a good job at it. Yeah. But when we leave churchianity, and we get out in the world, and you parents, do you take pleasure? You know, would you take pleasure in hearing that your daughter had her car repossessed because she couldn't pay the bill, lost her job, couldn't pay her rent, got 90 days behind, you know, eating, eating bad cheap food and all that because she, she just can't. Would that bless you? Would that please you? Well, then why, why do we transfer that mentality over to God? We act like God is somehow pleased with poverty. This is a great question to ask. Is God cheap? Okay, I mean, that was a pretty affirmative answer. Good for you. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, are you, are you really sure? Well, hallelujah. Is he cheap? Well, we saw last week, didn't we, that Jesus himself received and accepted an extremely expensive gift. We estimated that alabaster box of ointment that Mary poured out upon his feet and washed his feet with her hair and, and all of that uh, in today's turn. You know, a, a laborer, average laborer's annual wage. So what, what could that be equated at? You know, might be safe to say fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 in today's money. And did he say, no, 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 that would not please the Father. That's just too much. That's too much. You know, when, when David in Psalm 23 was talking about how God was filling his cup, did he say, God fills my God gives me a sip in my cup. No, that's not what it said. It said, God caused my cup to run over. We went over Peter's nets. Did he take in half a fish, missing some scales and all of that? No. I mean, it was a net stretching, boat sinking. All a fish. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The Greek word there is not abundant. It's super abundance, super abundance, super abundance. I mean, Job went through some stuff. We know Job went through some stuff and Job starts out talking about in the first chapter oh, how many camels he's got and how many sheep he's got and how many silver and gold and all of this and that he's the richest man in the east and then he goes through some stuff. Well, how did Job end up? About nine, the theologians say it's about a nine-month ordeal he went through. The Bible says that God blessed him. He was already the wealthiest guy in the east. But after his nine-month ordeal, we wouldn't wish that on anybody. He ended up with twice that. And people would say, he don't need all that. That's just too much. That's too excessive. Well, God didn't think so. I said God didn't think so. Amen. And, and this is what I tell people. you believe, every, Everybody, if they're honest, believes in prosperity. It becomes a cuss word in some Christian circles, the word prosper, to say it in church, especially a preacher behind the pulpit. Of course, you know why he's talking about that? Because all he cares about, all he wants is your money. Yeah, have you heard that? Well, that people that say stuff like that are judging. They are assuming and judging my motive. If it's applied to me, if it's directed at me, well, what do you know about my motive? Hello. (laughs) As God is my witness, that's not my motive. I'm not out to get money from you. I'm, I'm out to get money to you. The more blessed you are, the better I can be taken care of. I have a vested interest in your blessing. Amen. Anyway, People who say stuff like that—if—if—if if, if, uh, you know they, they would probably no doubt be the ones if—if if it was turned on them. You know, don't judge me. Don't—don't don't judge me. I, you're judging me. Don't judge me. Amen. Praise God. But uh, well, let's talk about that for a second. If—is if, it okay for the—the the layperson to have money? To have plenty of money? To be rich? But not the preacher. Not the preacher. It's okay for me, but not the preacher. Well, listen, we, if it's okay for Jesus, you say, people say, well, they quote that scripture, Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have nests. But Jesus didn't even have that. He didn't even have stick nests. He has no place to lay his head. Well, is that a scripture? Yes, that's a scripture. But do you know if you study your Gospels very carefully, you'll find out Jesus did have a house. Yeah, he had a house, but he's traveling. He's not staying at that house. He is walking. He is going up and down the nation of Israel, going here, going there. What he said was, walking with me, being my disciple right now, is no cakewalk. We're not staying at the St. Regis every night. I'm on the move. I, I, I've got an appointment with the cross. I, I've got the Father's business to attend to. And I'm not, I'm not thinking about my comfort right now. Right. But the Bible says in Luke that Jesus had many female partners that had wealth that partnered with him, that funded his ministry, it says, out of their substance. Well, you know, I don't have time to go all those references, but they're in there. Read your Bible. Get in there and study it. What was Jesus wearing to the, to the day he was born for? Anybody remember? You remember when he was up on the cross and... He's naked up there and the garment he wore, the, the Roman soldiers are uh, betting for that. They're 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 right, they cast lots for that. A seamless garment. What's that mean? That means one piece of one thread. One thread woven to create the entire garment. I mean, look at it. this, is a fairly nice jacket. It's a, it's, I think it's Hart Schaefer, not that you care about that. And that, that just means it's an American company. And it's all they're all done by hand here in America. You can buy them Dillard's wherever. That's where I get this one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but there's seams everywhere. I mean, this is a piece, this is a piece, this is a piece. We're talking one piece of thread. And it was a head to neck to toe garment. Can you imagine the craftsmanship? And he wore it. That's not cheap. And they, they, they were going to rend everything else but, and, and divide it up, but they didn't rend that. It was too, it was too nice, too expensive. So they just placed in bets for it. See, Jesus on the earth was not poor. Jesus wasn't made poor till he went to the cross. You can't call Jesus poor when he runs out of wine, all he's got to do is or whatever he did, and there it is. I mean, I mean, f- f- the whole wedding party is resupplied. He just, he just had him fill it up with water, and I don't know if he spat in it, or, or touched it, or prophesied to it, or winked winked at it, or whatever he did. Right? You're, you, when you're preaching to 15,000, 20,000 people, and you decide to feed them lunch, And you you don't have a credit card, and everybody ate till the full till they're full. You can't call him poor. Prosperity is not hear me now. Prosperity is not to be thought of and defined as how much money you have in the bank or what your net worth is. Bible prosperity is the ability to tap into the resources of heaven to meet needs. That is prosperity. Prosperity in the Bible is the ability to tap into the resources of heaven to meet earthly needs, yours and others. Amen. Hallelujah. And he tapped into the resources of heaven to pay his tax bill and Peter's. You can't define Jesus' prosperity by what he had in his wallet. Amen. He proved it. he didn't need a wallet in so many places. Are you with me? Well, if it's okay for Jesus, and amen, and it's okay for the laity, how do I know that every Christian, if they're honest, believes in prosperity? Well, you've heard me say this. When was the last time your boss told you you were were getting a raise, and you said, no, sir, no, ma'am, I'm turning that down. That's too much. That, that's too much. I, I'm a Christian. We don't believe in prosperity. I mean, what you've been paying me, I, I'm able to, uh, you know, just eke by, and the way I believe, that's... No, I don't, I don't want that bonus. No, because I, I don't believe in prosperity. Who does that? Anybody, have you met anybody? And yet they come to church and get religious. I said to come to church and get religious. So obviously it's okay for the laity. Well then how come how come it's wrong for the preacher to have something nice? It's not, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. But I mean just 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 pay attention out there on Facebook or not. It's you know, or, or or on the internet. And people like me get, get eviscerated. I don't believe that prosperity gospel. That prosperity gospel's of the devil. All there wants is your money. Oh, my gosh. And yet they take every race. They spend all week trying to get as much money as they can get, a, get their hands on. It's hypocritical. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, we're quoting Psalm 35, right? Did it say God takes pleasure in our poverty? No, it says God takes pleasure, takes pleasure in our prosperity. Just, just, just like what is natural and common sense among us, right? Amen. Praise God. In other words, if your baby comes home and says, I've got a promotion at work, uh, I, I praise God, and then, uh, Mama, I, I, I put a down payment on that house, and I'm getting, we're getting the house of our dreams, and, 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 and do you go, bad on you? Get, repent. Repent. Nobody does that. We rejoice. We take pleasure. We're so glad when our kids do well. So if God is not like that, he is out of keeping with everything we know about good parenting. What am I trying to do? Just go ahead and accept it. Just, just go ahead and not care. Well, uh, We don't have to be critical about our brothers and sisters, amen, that don't believe this way. But, you know, come on, you, for you and me, I, I'm not changing. I, I'm not changing. You lost me. The Bible says in Isaiah 1 and 19 that the willing and the obedient shall eat the bad of the land. No, it says they shall eat the good, the good of the land. So whatever's good in the land, God says the willing and the obedient, that's for them. That's for them. Amen? Way back in the Old Testament, what was their covenant? If you'd obey God, be diligent, heed His voice, obey His commandments. Amen? Did He say you'll be the gut? Did He say you'll be the butt? No, he said, you'll be the head and not the tail. I'm just trying to get y'all to lighten up a little bit. Amen. No, he said, I'll make you the head, not the tail. The head. He said, I'll make you to be above, not beneath. I'll make you the lender, not the borrower. Catch that vision. I'll make you the lender, not the borrower. So it is God's will for us to prosper. Beloved, I pray above all things that we prosper and that we be in health. Well, why aren't we? Think about it. If God, Sister Stacy, takes pleasure in our prosperity, what would the opposite of that be? It would then displease Him for us not to prosper. Is this the Bible or not? If God takes pleasure when we do well, when we succeed, when we have enough. Amen. And we're blessed. And we got what we need. And we got what we even desire. And then we got got it over and above. and, And we can give to the building fund. And we can give to the orphans in India. And we've we've got some resources. This is what the devil hates. This is why the devil hates. This is why he gets people so stirred up. Because he's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, Satan is the God of this world. Yep. And when he tempted Jesus, do you remember this? When he tempted Jesus, one, the second temptation was, he said he took him up on a high mountain. You all remember this? We can go there if you like. We went up on a high, he went up on a high mountain, and in a moment of time, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. What does that mean? What is the glory of the kingdoms of this world? The wealth. What else would it include? The power, the authority, the influence, the dominion, the resources, political power, military power, economic power, leverage power, money. And he, he tells, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says he's the God of this world. And in that second temptation, he shows, he shows Jesus in a moment of time all of it. And then he says in Luke, he says, Uh, All this I will give to you, for this has been delivered unto me. And it says it was a temptation. Maybe a millisecond, I don't know. I don't think he struggled long. But some theologians want to say that Satan lied to Jesus. He really doesn't own all that. No, he does. It wouldn't have been a real temptation. Jesus would have known he was lying. Right? Well, it's not my message, but when was the kingdoms of this world and all the power and the glory and the position and the influence delivered unto Satan? When Adam handed it over to him in the fall. And he's had it since then. He won't always had it, but he has it right now. And you know how much, as the God of this world, the possessor of the kingdoms of this world and the glory, the wealth, the riches, the money, the resources... You know how much of it he wants you to have, Courtney? As a Christian, someone who loves Jesus? None. He wants the church to be broke. He wants the church to be despised. And while he's got half or bigger than that percentage of the church, totally confused about prosperity. Sinners, they get it. They're going out there to get some money. When they look at the church broke, sick, struggling, defeated, and we're inviting them in, they despise it. Because they don't want that. They don't want to be broke. They don't want to be sick. They don't want to be defeated. You see how, how upside down the enemy's got the church thinking? All the while, you know, people wonder. People have asked me, not, not just one, uh, but several this week. Uh, it's like a flood. People are thinking about it. Uh I don't get it, Pastor. How come these guys, these people, they don't come to church, they don't pray, they live immoral, they sleep around, they do all this stuff, they don't care about God, they don't tithe, they don't sow offerings, and they're doing good. They got this money, and they got this thing, and they got this house, and they got this boat, and they got all this stuff, and oh, I'm over here tithing, struggling, praying, believing God, and warring in the Spirit to get my bills paid, and I I don't get that. Well, I understand. But you got to understand, God didn't give them that stuff. The devil did. The devil gave them that stuff. You know, the devil could give you stuff. He could give give you a car. He'd be happy to give you a car. He'd be happy to give you a boat. Happy to give you a house. Happy to give you billions. If he knows, you'll keep it away from all things God, all things church, and just heap it up and advance sinful things. Right? The devil knows if sinners have a lot of money, guess what? they can do a lot of evil stuff. If someone's evil and they're broke, they can only do a little bit of evil stuff. But if they're evil with billions, they can do a lot of evil stuff. And they do. I said they do. But think about it, guys. Think about it. If If you had billions if you had it if if you could be evil and be rich and do all this evil guess what if we had money think of the good we would do think of the good think of those that we would feed think of the single moms that we would support Think about the unwed mothers, you know, and and they have their babies and they need help and they need support. Think about the sick. Think about the buildings we could build. Think about the TV time. Think about the Christian movies. Think about how we could uh, uh, affect the culture, affect politics, affect policy, affect towns and cities and regions. The devil knows all of that. And he doesn't want you. And it's, he just laughing, laughing, laughing to see the church fight against prosperity. <laughs> None of this is in my notes. <laughs> but we need to get this settled. I mean, we really need to get this firmly established. We need to get this. We need to stop playing with this. Let's just stop playing with it. Okay, so if, if it, God's will is poverty, If that's what he's into, if that's what blesses him, let's do it. We got 16 acres here. We'll have us, I don't know what they call it, a flash sale. You know? We won't even try to charge a lot for it. Let's just get rid of it. Maybe we can keep some tents. Maybe the Lord would let us keep the grounds. And we just live in some tents out here. I'm serious. I mean, if, if, stop, let's stop being, let's stop playing around with this. God's not into blessing, He's not into prosperity. Somewhere along the line, He changed. He's, he's not El Shaddai anymore, He's not Jehovah Jireh anymore, He's El Chipo. I'm not being irreverent. I mean, I'm those, I want to call people out and what they're thinking. If these preachers out there, blasting prosperity, well, m- m- they need to go live on Skid Row then. And I mean, really please God. Be an example. And if, how about us? If God is really pleased when we prosper, then why don't we take it serious? Why don't we not be okay not prospering? Hallelujah. That's equally as important. Amen. Well, one of the things that we're going to have to really conquer is, like we talked about last week, is we've got to get detached from money and things. I was listening along, some teaching along this line uh, by Pastor Keith Moore. Just a real blessing. And he said something I really like. He said, you know, if you want something too much, you will go too far. I like that. If you get your mind and you get your affection and you get your heart on something too much, it's, it's too important to you. Then you will go too far. And that is, not, that, is, that is not to be named among believers. The Bible says you cannot serve God and money. And to qualify for God to heap major resources on your life, you've got to demonstrate to Him now with what you got now. That you, you appreciate, you know how to receive, and you know how to enjoy resources and blessings and things. Not be false about it. You get something nice and someone goes, wow, that's nice. And you go, no, not really. It's okay. But inside you're like, yeah, it is. That's, that's false humility. That's, that's, junk. That's, that's ugly. Don't do that. Enjoy it. You wanted it. You desired it. You believed God for it. And you got it. You laid hold of it. And you didn't rob the church of tithes. And, and you did it the right way. Nobody got hurt. You didn't lie and you didn't steal it. And you didn't then, then enjoy it. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. But as, as we enjoy it, you can't be overly attached to it. you got to get detached from stuff. And some of the most, the, the Bible word for this is covet or covetousness. And it's one of the Ten Commandments. Right? And really wanting some, being commanded not to want something more than you should really takes up three of the Ten Commandments. Number one, thou shalt have no other God before me. He says thou shalt not covet. The Bible says to covet is idolatry, making it a God before him. Then, of course, the other one is thou shalt not steal. Now, why would you steal? You want it. You don't have it, and you want it. And you want it so much. You will deprive someone of something they have. Think about this. So, this is not a side issue. Three of the Ten Commandments really deal around the idea of covetousness and desiring things more than you should. Hallelujah. The commandment says, Thou shalt not covet. What does the word covet mean? Well, some translations, modern translations, I like it. They'll say crave. And like here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, He that will be rich. He that would be. He whose intent. He whose primary aim. In the Greek, it's literally to crave or to uh, to have an unholy, miserly, intent desire. That's the goal. That's the aim is get rich. That's wrong. That's wrong. Y'all know that's wrong. One of the ways we break free from the love of money and covetousness is don't think about money and things too much. Don't, don't think about it too much. I told you last week I'm, I'm being sincere about it. The more I mature and the longer I walk with God, the less I think about money. I'm consumed with God. I want to live for God. I want to walk with God. I want to please God. I want to fulfill the plan of God. and that's what I'm consumed with. That's what my heart is in. That's what my foc- that's where my passion, my energies, my focus, my efforts, my thoughts are for that. And I've learned, I've learned, and I am learning. That as I give myself to God and to pursue God and go after God and fulfill the will of God, that money comes. Amen. And that's so scriptural, right? Isn't that scriptural? Let, let's take a moment here. Keep your finger in First Timothy, but go to Matthew 6. And I know you could quote it. I could too. But let's look at it. Y'all all right tonight? I I, I wonder why why has God got us on this? I believe it's good. Number one, He knows we can hear it. We can take it. We're ready for it. But then I believe He intends to do some things for us, some big things. But don't lie to yourself. You know. hey, Pastor Chris, man, when my ship comes in, I'm going to pay the church off. No, it's like my friend Pastor Dennis said, when your ship comes in, you'll be gone on the ship. I mean, if you're not doing something to help me right now in the ministry with what you got, if your ship came in, you'd be gone on the ship. <laughs> uh, I gave him credit one time for that, and the rest of that it's mine now. Praise you God. Matthew six thirty-three. Well, look at verse thirty-two also. For after all these things, for after all these things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. See, the difference between the saved and the unsaved, amen, ought to be this. What are are they seeking? What are they going after? Where are their passions? Where are their thoughts, their energies, their focus? Get stuff. Get mine. Get more. Get what I want. Get what I need. That's what they're doing. That's what they're going after. And sadly, there's believers every week. Not in the helps ministry. Not in the... They're out chasing money. They're out going after money. And they'll leave their pastor. They'll leave their church family to go to another city that doesn't have a church that preaches anything for a dollar more an hour. Telling you, it's foolish. That's not godly prosperity. So the Gentiles, all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now notice, for your heavenly Father knows... He knows, come on, doesn't he know? He knows that we have need of all these things. Well if he knows, how come? How come? Well, maybe we're not doing what He told us. Maybe we are overly concerned and filled with thoughts and anxieties, and our priorities have gotten out of line. We're going after money. We're not going after God. If we would go after God, the money would come. How do I know that? Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's not you. That's not your stuff. That's not your family. That's not your children. It's seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you besides. Amen. See, Bible prosperity versus going into the world and getting it, Uh, by hook or crook or by the sweat of our brow or whatever. The difference is this. I'm going after God. I'm not going after money. I'm going after God. I'm not going after money. And the money, the wealth, the material, the resources, he adds to me. And I'm demonstrating to him on some level I can take it because it's not my focus. It's not my goal in life. It's not my aim in life. It's not, it's not what I'm looking for to fulfill me. Right. So many of the ultra-rich, ultra, ultra rich, you can see how unhappy and unfulfilled they are. And sometimes in interviews or books or biographies, they'll just tell you, you know, I dreamed and I dreamed and I knew that if I could get this, if I could attain that, if I could become famous, I would be fulfilled. And now I have everything I wanted and dreamed. I could buy anything I want. I could buy an island if I want. Yeah. And I am so miserable. They found out. Yet the people who don't have it are caught up in that deception. If I only, if I only. Listen, honey. Even if you get it, you're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna be find out that car is not gonna turn you into Superman. You gonna be the same you with the same mind and the same soul. No matter what car you climb into, or what house you go into, that house don't make you nothing. I said, that house don't make you nothing. You ought to be able to just be as fulfilled and content living in an efficiency apartment versus the falconite mansion I heard about here in town. You're the same you. You just got more to clean. Seriously, you just got more hedges to trim. (laughs) You just got more property taxes to pay. Now, if you want it and you desire it and you got faith for it, God will give it to you and He'll pay for all the maintenance too. But see, if you think it's going to make you, it's not. There is no fulfillment. There is no inner peace. There is no inner joy. There is no inner satisfaction to be had outside of knowing Him. Yeah. Period. End of story. Yeah. The great thing is, is that as you go for that, He He will heap, He will bless you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Seek ye first. See, money is a very good servant. It is a terrible master. You make money your servant. Money is a tool. Money's a tool, period. That's all it is. Money is a tool. It is the means of exchange in this planet for goods and services. Amen? And you need some money. I'm not, don't diminish the importance of it. But it can never be thought of as more important than God and His plan. Never. And people that forsake the plan of God to go after money will always end up in a bad way. Always. Always because God can't bless them because they've made that an idol. God is a jealous God, and whatever we exalt into God's rightful place, God will begin to attack that. Because he's a jealous God. Amen. All right, we'll find a place to shut it down here. But you know I, I think about some exam I was thinking about some examples this afternoon. Let's let's look at this one spot. You're in Matthew, just flip over to Luke real quick. You doing okay? We're going, be, we're going to be done in just a minute. What are we doing? We're just still scratching the surface. Hallelujah. 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 We you going to do, Pastor? We get to the end of August, and you're still scratching the surface. Well, we'll do something different, like I said, on Wednesday nights. But we've got mentoring. That's right. yeah. Yeah, maybe we can hit it with mentoring. I don't know. Luke chapter 12. And um, look at verse thirteen, Luke chapter twelve, verse thirteen. I think this is interesting. And one of the company, so we're talking about a group of people. There's a crowd there, right? And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother. (laughs) Talk to my brother. What does he want? What does he want Jesus to tell his brother? divide the inheritance with me now put yourself in this setting there's a group of disciples there no doubt Jesus is on a spiritual assignment and here's this disciple in the group that decides to interrupt Jesus and to interject in front of everybody he he must have thought this was extremely important Maybe too important. And to me, do you see it? He's asking Jesus something very inappropriate. And evidently, he's got it in his brain that Jesus might actually do something about it. Hello? So he says master talk to my brother tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me well we don't that's about all the detail we have in this account but i think that maybe we could extrapolate a few things mom and dad must have died must have passed on there's some inheritance of some kind and bubba feels like he's got a raw deal bubba feels like he didn't get what was coming to him. And whether that's true or not, we don't know. And do you know what? It's immaterial. Whether he was being unjustly treated by his brother or not is immaterial. Oh, you might not think so. You might be like, oh, man, if it were me, I," you know. "I." Well, if you get all wrought up over money. You're the one that's got a problem. Right. We're not justifying someone being greedy and wrong and lying and stealing, doing unjust things with inheritances. That's not the issue. But if you get wrought up about it. Amen. Well, what did Jesus say to the man? Is that what it says, or does it say a oh, man? Does it say oh man? Jesus said, hey, man, man, right? Like, dude, I can't see Jesus saying dude, but we get that, right? Dude, who made me a judge, an arbitrator over you? I have nothing to do with this. I'm not going to intervene in your business. And then he took the occasion because he did this. Man did this publicly, so he's going to make a, He's going to take advantage and teach a lesson, teach us a principle. What did he say? Beware! Everyone say that. Beware! Beware of what? Covetousness. But what if he's right? What if he's being wrong in the mistreated? The fact that he's so upset about it that he wants Jesus to do something about it. Sick him. Get him. Make them do the right thing. Jesus called his attitude covetousness. Anytime you and I are going to make it about the money, if it's about the money, we're on very dangerous ground. He said, beware of covetousness. Remember what Jesus taught in the, I'm I'm almost done, I promise, but in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said, if someone asks you to walk a mile with them, walk two miles. Go above and beyond. If someone asks you for your outer coat, give them your undercoat too. And if someone asks to borrow from you, lend and ask not again. These are tough, right? These are, these are tough scriptures when we apply them to real life. But are they in there? Yes. And if we're all upset about money. See, here's the deal. Let's say that the man was cheated. Well, that's wrong. But what does the Bible say about that? Are we to render evil for evil? Nope. We're not. Did, did the Bible say, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord? Yeah. But here's what I believe. Okay, let's say he's, he's being cheated. See, if the man, God wants to help the man. If you've been cheated, God wants to help you. He's the vindicator of the just. He wants to help you. But if we step over out of anger, bitterness, into covetousness, guess what? He can't help us. We have taken ourselves out of His hand. You see how quiet it is? We take, right? But what if if we believe that God is able? Now, this is just me. I, I... I, I think that I have some level of inheritance coming in my family, my biological family. But I want you to know something. I've already internally made a decision. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting anything. If I get anything, it'll be just a blessing. But I don't want to expect and then it not go the way I expect, and then have to deal with my attitude. Are you, are you hoping for the worst? No, I've just decided. I'm looking to God to fund my life. All the way through, through my elderly years, all of that, I'm not, I'm not looking to my parents to leave me a big nest egg. I, you know, Whatever I get, I'm going to be grateful for if I get anything. But I am not going to fight my brothers. I'm not. I am not going to fight my brothers over money. I'd rather just, come on, just take it. If it it means that much to you, if you feel like you just have to have it, then you really need it. You need it worse than you think you need it. And I'm going to, remember, man, you could just really get to preaching on this stuff. Abraham and Lot. Abraham said, Lot, okay, I kind of see an attitude between you and your servants, and yeah, we're really blessed. You just pick any land. You just, If you want to go to the north, I'll give you the north. You want the south, whatever direction you want. And it says there in Genesis 13 that Lot really carefully surveyed the land. And he took the best. He took the best pastures. He took the best wells. He took what he thought what looked like to him to be the best. And so he took off. And Abraham said, see you, bless you, love you, love you nephew. And then the moment... <laughs> Lot gets out of earshot. God shows up. God shows up and tells Abraham, look around Abraham to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All of it is yours. And Lot went down from that day. A few short years, he's lost it all. He traded it all. He, he, he walked away from his man of God. Not just Uncle Abe. He walked away from his man of God. And his connection to divine blessing over money. And he took the best. He took the best from the one who blessed him. He put himself in a position that would be like me taking something from Dr. Jacobs. From Pastor Nancy. Thinking that I've gained. And he went down from that day. And Abraham. See. You cannot keep a covenant woman down. You just cannot keep a covenant man down. You can rob from him. You can steal him. And I'm not saying. I, I've, had, I've had situations where I've stood my ground with people. Amen. But I've also had situations where I paid money I didn't know so I could have peace. I paid money. And man, did I have to swallow that bitter pill. Man, did it. I have to put down my flesh to do that. But I'm still here. And the guy I'm thinking of is dead. And I'm not saying what he did to me was a single cause, but it's part of it. You can't do that. You can't steal from a brother. You cannot steal from a man of God, and that go good for you. Are you getting anything? God is into prosperity. Abundant, abundant, abundant prosperity. Jesus said to Brother Hagin, he said, if you've learned to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich, but I am opposed to them being covetous. Amen. Amen? And one of the signals of covetousness is thinking too much, being too overly occupied and attached to money and things just stuff. Really, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. So, child of God, as you leave, to live free from covetousness, to qualify for increase, this is what God requires. You have to be God-minded, not money-minded. You have to be plan-minded, not dollar-minded. And you have to esteem spiritually, th- spiritual things higher, far higher than earthly things. Esteem spiritual things high, high. That's where you put your value. The word, prayer, your walk with God, your local church, the plan of God. You've got to esteem those things higher. And you esteem earthly things Lightly, Amen? All right. Well, I trust we got something out of that. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet tonight. Glory to God. So we're not fighting over inheritances, are we? I've seen families love each other. Love, 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 love each other. And in the moment, they go home. Mom and dad goes home. They are warring tribes. It's just not worth it. You know, I'm learning this. You can always get more money. You just always get more money. So you might as well, you know, don't be chintzy. You want something, get the best you can. Get the best. Well, I got to spend extra. Yeah, it'll last you three times as long. Number one, you'll enjoy it so much more. And you can always get more money. God doesn't see material things like a pie. And there's nine slices. And that's, and that's like, we've got to beat Rex away. Because he's going to get more. If he gets his desired amount of pie, ain't nobody getting any pie. Rex is covetous when it comes to food. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. He's just a strapping young lad, and he's got a healthy appetite. <laughs> Father, we just very sincerely and seriously pray and ask you reveal to us where we are, how we're doing, what we're thinking, and help us to apply these principles. We want to live free from the love of money. So where we've been affected by this subtle, subtle, subtle sin of covetousness, wanting things too much, having a desire is right, but having a craving that takes us away from you is sin, is sin. To be jealous and envious of what others have is sin. Uh, to, to, to be willing to enter a lifestyle of sin to get money is obviously sin. So help us to detach, Father, from money and material things. Help us to strike the right balance in our thinking about them. We don't love money. Say that out loud. Say, I don't love money. I don't love money. Say this, say, I don't love things. Don't love things. Now catch yourself. Pastor Keith Moore, some years ago I heard him say this. He said, I made a change in my vocabulary. You ought to check on yourself. How often do you find yourself saying, I love, I love my truck? We know you mean well, but do you really? Because if you love your pots and pans, That's silly, right? We don't love a coat. We don't love a mattress. We don't love money or things. We love God. Amen. Say that out loud. I love God. I love and I love people. And I use money. And I use money. Amen. 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 We love God. We love people. And we use money. Amen? Amen? All right. Praise God. God bless you. If you can be here, most of you be working, but we'll be praying at 9 o'clock. We would invite you to that. And then uh, we'll keep you up to date about Mom Arlene's home going. And then we've got uh, Dr. Jacobs on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Bring somebody with you. God bless you. You're dismissed.